Was protocol broken? Pope Francis gives his congratulations to Joe Biden. Was protocol broken? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 193 of the Informed Catholic. And we have an art. We have this is talked about, it's being talked about Church Militant, Dr. Taylor Marshall, LifeSite News, The Remnant. Everybody's talking about this. And, um, <laughs> well, it's it's uh it's a slap in the face in conservative catholics orthodox catholics and uh well it seems like the secular media loves it they're crazy about it they're really gone overboard over it. they love this M npr national public radio a very very left wing very socialistic uh the articles by barbara sprunt Pope Francis congratulates Biden, who will be the second Catholic president. First of all, he's not the second Catholic president. He's a projected, a possible projected winner. And the count is not over yet. All right. President Trump is already beginning a legal battle over this. There's a lot going on here. Nobody's paying attention. The fact that the Democrats in several states where they have these problems have changed the election rules, the, the uh, how to count ballots, collecting ballots, harvesting ballots, uh, starting early voter collections 50 days before the election and counting ballots several days after the election, uh, changing uh, the, the laws from the bench by a judge. You can't do that. There is all kinds of things, violations going on here. And the fact that you have the media doing this says that this is an election coup. And the fact that certain ballots were treated uh, with more attention and they have basically, um, what do you call it? They show bias towards Republicans, voters, is also going to be brought up in court. All right, let's look at this um, smokescreen of an article. It is, it is, because we're going to look into the words, how she chooses her words. Pope Francis congratulates Biden, who will be the second Catholic president. November, 2, November 12, 2020, Barbara Sprunt. Pope Francis, the leader of the Roman Catholic Church. Jesus Christ is the head of the Catholic Church. Pope Francis, the leader of the Roman Catholic Church, offered his congratulations to President-elect Joe Biden during a call Thursday morning. According to a statement from the Biden-Harris transition team, the pair discussed some policy areas in which Biden is likely to break from President Trump. The president-elect expressed his desire to work together on the basis of a shared belief in the dignity and equality of all humankind on issues such as caring for the marginalized and the poor, addressing the crisis of climate change, and welcoming and integrating immigrants and refugees into our communities, 
The statement reads, I like what, what Taylor Marshall pointed out. You, the everyday Catholic, the one who goes on mass on Sundays, the one who pays attention to what's happening with uh, the cover-up, especially the uh, sex abuse cover-up, the McCarrick scandal, the um, you know the the uh, the financial scandal, we've stopped putting our money in the basket. I only give them a dollar. All right. I basically I'm very careful because I don't want them using my money for sex sex abuse payments of of uh of the altar boys of people who have um suffered under the hands of uh perverted clergy I don't give them money I support church militant that I subscribe to church militant but the bishop collection the so-called USCCB collection all right which is all a fraud I don't give them any money I've stopped giving people like us, have stopped giving them money. They've given up on us. So they think that if they get these migrants, these illegals over, that that will, that will fill the gap. But technically, it's not them. What they want is they want federal money. Like what, what Obama used to give them, $98 million a year. That's what they're looking forward to. They've given up looking towards the collection basket. They've given up on that. So technically, they have put their hand out like Judas for a government loan. Judas put his hand out for 30 pieces of silver and he handed our Lord over. These guys put their hands out for $98 million of silver and they'll hand our Lord over, the church over to the state. It, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. All right? And our and and at the Garden of Gethsemane, they all desert him. Well, they're pretty much deserting him as well. He right now. Because they stopped preaching the gospel. They stopped talking about abortion. Why do you think they what they can't do that if you're gonna put your hands out for ninety eight million dollars of silver and gold? Right? You're not gonna talk about gay marriage if you're gonna put your hand out for ninety eight million dollars of silver. Right? You're not going to do any of that. You're not going to talk about birth control. So, they took the easy way out. And what they do is they don't look at you in the face. They will not look at you in the face. They'll never look at you in the face. They won't talk about it. They won't say a single thing about it. They got to put their hands out for that money. So therefore, to hell with the gospel. To hell with abortion. To hell with, with the gay marriage. You deal with it. We're the ones in control. Christ is not here. The Holy Spirit doesn't run things here. We do. All right, so let's continue. Francis has been outspoken on these issues and has repeatedly called on global leaders to make more action to confront them. Biden has laid out ambitious plans to, to tackle 
climate, the climate crisis, and he plans to lift the United States refugees resettlement cap, which Trump had lowered to a record level. Biden will be the second Catholic president in the U.S. history following John F. Kennedy. So who cares? Known as a deeply devout person of faith, Biden often delivers speeches with references to biblical language or the Pope. When did he ever do that? When did he ever quote biblical, the scriptures? And notice that how they attack Trump for faith, attack Trump because he surrounds himself with Catholics, right? I mean, remember uh, Sister uh, Burns, who who spoke up about against abortion and showed and and held up her rosary i'm not just i'm not just uh pro life i'm a, a pro eternal life and then notice how they like to flaunt his catholic faith that he's a deep when did he ever quote i don't even remember one one single speech he ever gave where he could where he quoted the scriptures not once. He's talked about he was an altar boy. So what? I was never an altar boy, but I helped serve at mass at one time. But notice how they always turn to a liberal's faith, a deep, de uh, deeply devout person, a, de a person of faith, often um, delivers speeches with references to biblical language or the Pope. Never, never I've ever heard that. Never. In the final week of the presidential campaign, for example, Biden quoted an anti-populism passage from the Pope's most recent encyclical. Oh, yeah. Fruity Tootie. Okay, that's great. Wow. Unbelievable. Okay, this was a very short one. Okay. I want to check this out here. She has an... Um, a link here. I want to see how Joe Biden's faith shapes his politics. Okay. This is from September 20, 2020. Asma Khalid. All right. When Joe Biden seeks to inspire or comfort, he returns to his faith. His speeches are woven with references to God, biblical language, or the Pope. Again, how they attack Donald Trump for surrounding himself with pro-life priests, with evangelical Christians. Okay? How they attacked him because he held a Bible in front of a church. They didn't say anything when Catholic churches got vandalized. Right? They never said anything about St. Patrick Cathedral by Black Lives people when it were Black Lives uh, protesters when they spray painted. Right? How about the church that's down from the White House? It nearly got attacked. How about the fact when he went to the John Paul Center and Bishop Walton Gregory got angry because he went to pray there? It's it, the hypocrisy is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. On Monday, the Democratic presidential nominee spoke the faith to the faith-based anti-poverty group, the Poor People's Campaign, and described the United States under President Trump as a nation in the wilderness. Oh, 
all of you remind me of how scripture describes a calling of a calling a born out of the wilderness Biden told it's a voice crying out in the wilderness Biden told the virtual audience a calling to serve not to be served a calling toward justice and healing hope not hate to speak the good news followed by some good deeds it's not just enough to speak the good news but good deeds this wasn't a one-off religious reference. This is how Biden routinely speaks. Oh, dear Lord. The former vice president launched his candidacy by referring, referring to his campaign as a battle for the soul of the nation. It was the central theme of his primary run and remains a core tenet of his campaign. If elected, Biden would become only the second Catholic president in American history. But it's not a it's not a detail he highlights. But people who know him will say his Catholic faith is central to how he sees the world. <laughs> wow. Okay, we're not over yet. Biden. Hold on. Okay, I moved a little too fast here. Sorry. All right, found my place. Biden, who carries a rosary in his pocket and attends Mass every Sunday, is known as a deeply devout person of faith, and his campaign sees electoral implications in that, in part because Biden is has tried to frame his election as a clear moral contrast between Trump and himself. Some Democrats would go so far as to say that Biden is running perhaps the most overtly devout Democratic presidential campaign since Jimmy Carter in 1976, who was a one-term president, by the way. John McCarthy, Biden's deputy political director, worked on faith outreach for Hillary Clinton in 2016 election, which didn't get her elected and acknowledge his Biden campaign is different than others. Campaigns obviously stem from who candidate, who a candidate is, and because this is such a true part of Joe Biden, this is something that is just, is, is just in the core messaging of our campaign, McCarthy said. Part of this distinction is about values and policy, but the other part is cultural. Part of him... Part of him being a uh, part of him being who he is has these these kinds of touchstones that so deeply resonate with the kind of cultural Catholicism in those kinds of places like Ohio, Pennsylvania of the world. Cultural Catholicism. Notice that part of him being who he is. He has these kinds of touchstones that so deeply resonate with the kind of cultural Catholicism. Catholicism in those kind of places like Ohio and Pennsylvania uh, uh, of the world, McCarthy said. Well, I, I'm, at least I have to hand it to them. They use the word cultural Catholicism. During the week, this part, this past spring, the campaign released a video in which Biden spoken about faith, uh, uh, about faith seeing best in the dark. Jetta post with images of the coronavirus pandemic and when he delivered a eulogy for George Floyd and called for racial justice, he spoke of growing up with a Catholic social doctrine that taught him faith without works is dead. 
it's not like we are just talking about faith to, to faith voters, but instead of the vice president is being who he is authentically is, which is a person of faith. And that is obviously coming across, McCarthy said. Al Alice says Biden's faith informs his values and in turn his values shapes his politics. Really? So I wonder uh, where does the fondling women come into that? I don't remember that in the catechism. Joe is some is uh, is someone for whom the ways in which he sees issues around racial justice, around the treatment of refugees and immigrants, all that is connected to a view of a view of other people, who he sees as neighbor, who he sees as being made in the image of God, says Delaware Senator Chris Coons, uh, who who's known Biden for decades, really. Then what about all those years ago when he fought against segregation of school buses? Where he didn't want his kids sharing the bus with black kids. What about that? What about the fact that he gave the eulogy to a KKK uh, a Klansman? He gave the eulogy to the man's... Um, at, at the man's funeral, the guy held the highest, this guy named Bird, Senator Bird. The guy, you go on the internet, you'll see an image of him wearing a Klansman outfit. What about the fact that he gave the eulogy? He lined himself with with anti-black uh, anti people, the senators who didn't want to de desegregate school buses. I don't get these people. This is NPR here. All right. This is the most progressive new, uh, radio station in the United States, right? The, mo the most about social justice and racially conscious about, I mean, this is the most hypocritical thing I've ever, articles I'm reading. They're ignoring the man's past. They're ignoring everything about him. Unbelievable. All right, let's continue. Joe is someone for whom the ways in which he sees issues around racial justice, around the treatment of refugees and immigrants, and all that is connected to a view of other people who sees, who he sees as neighbor, who he sees as being made in the image of God, says Delaware. Okay, we read this part. Uh, Chris Coons, who know who has known Biden for decades. And so Biden's stances on a range of social and environmental issues, Coons added, are not casual political positions. They are informed by his upbringing and go back, he says, to a deeply rooted sense of fairness that he learned from his parents and from the nuns and priests who educated and helped, his, helped raise him. Sister Carol Keenan, who is often credited as a key player in the passage of the Affordable Care Act, when she was president of the Catholic Health Association, agreed. He's very clear about justice, she said. When Joe Biden talks about faith, he talks very much about things like the Gospel of Matthew. What have you done to the least of my brothers? You've done to me. Boy, is this carefully crafted. Friends and staffers say Biden focuses on faith rather than religious doctrine. Of course. Dogma and doctrine is, 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 is the one thing he can't change. 
He prays with voters rather than proselytizes. And yet for some religious conservative, because all that plates in, in uh, comparison to a single issue is of abortion. Yes, because it's about life and life. Abortion is about life. The Catholic Church is quite clear on that. You see, they you see how they they just they just trivialize it. They just they just they just narrowed it, you know, like pushed aside. Single issues of abortion. Earlier this week, the conservative group Catholic Vote released an ad referring to Joe Biden's radical stance on abortion. Joe Biden would force American Catholics to pay for abortion sacrificing his Catholic values to kneel before the leftist mob, the, na the narrator warns. Over his year years in public life, Biden has become more consistently liberal on the issues of abortion. Last year, he reversed his decade-old position on the so-called Hyde Amendment, which bans federal dollars from funding abortion in most cases. Polling from the from the. Uh, Pew Research Center finds that a majority of American Catholics believe abortion should be legal in all or most cases. Which Catholics did they poll? Nobody asked me. I bet you nobody called Dr. Taylor Marshall. I bet you nobody asked Michael Voris. Which Catholic? I bet you nobody called Tim Gordon. I bet you nobody called Scott Hahn. Which Catholic? Which Catholics did they ask? I wasn't asked anything about these poll issues. So um, I have to say, I don't trust any polls. That's why they say don't ever trust any polls. For his part, Trump has tried to portray Biden as a heathen. Last month, the president attacked the Democratic nominee for being a man against God. And more broadly, Trump and his supporters have made religion a cultural issue, painting Democrats as the party against religious freedom. They are. They are. The struggle for Trump in trying to define Biden as a godless man is that Biden is the uh, is rather rare Democratic politician whose faith has been a public view for decades and senator coon thinks that's an asset i think one of the mistakes democrats have made over decades is to be a very private about the values that that move them into public life he said if we as many democrats in elected office have for 20 years hide that i don't it, it or don't speak about it millions of americans are left wondering what drives you with biden and staff allies says it's obvious what drives them. Josh Dixon, a national faith engagement director for the Biden campaign, says the former vice president wears his values and his faith on his sleeve. No kidding. And because faith is such a core part of Biden's identity, some staff say it's become a core part of the campaign. Oh, boy. But it's also a tightrope for religious Democrats to walk. Fewer voters ident identify as Christians as a share of people who identify with no religious religion has jumped in recent years. According to polling from the Pew Research, I love how they go back to the Pew Research. In 2019, most, almost 40% Democrats leaning voters were religiously unaffiliated, which why would the rest matter at all? 
Notice how she has to, she has to end it there. So why would the rest of the Democrats care about his faith at all? Why would they care about it? She has thrown that in our face, talked, told us he carries a rosary in his pocket, told us that he was raised by nuns, taught by nuns and priests, tells us that he quotes from the Gospel of Matthew, tells us that his faith is very important to him, right? And then tell us that it, obviously abortion is not a single voter issue, and then end it by telling us that most people don't identify or affiliate with, a, with any religion who are Democrat. Notice how she ends it here. But also a tightrope for religious Democrats to walk. Fewer voters identify as Christian as share of people who identify with no religion has jumped in recent years. According to poll, polling from the Pew Research in 2019, almost 40% of Democrat-leading voters were religiously unaffiliated. So why would it matter about his religious leanings at all? All right, this... This second article by, by, by a girl named Asma Khalid. This is the reporter. September 20th, 2020. How Joe Biden's faith shapes his politics. The whole thing is a contradictory. It's a contradictory. It means nothing. It means nothing. The first article is by Barbara Sprunt. Pope Francis congratulates Biden, who will be the second Catholic president. If you take the, the this article and go to the second article, which was written back in September, it means nothing. Simple as that. Unbelievable. Really stupid article. All right. So Asma Khalid from that article in September 2020 gave us a link here to the Pew Research Center. Fewer voters identify as Christians as share who are religiously un unaffiliated uh, grows. Okay, as share... Uh, who, uh, okay, fewer voters identify as Christians as share who are religious and unaffiliated grows. The religious landscape of the United States has undergone major changes since 2008. As a share of registered voters who are religiously unaffiliated has increased, the share who identify as Christians has declined. More than one quarter, 28% of voters identify as religiously unaffiliated today. For up from 15% in 2008, those who identify as Christians decreased from 79% to 64%. In that same period, data on religious affiliation dates to 2008, prior to that, Pew Research Center asked a different question about religious affiliation that is not directly compa com comparable to its current me uh, measure. The largest decline among Christian voters have come from among a white, uh, white Christians. The share of voters who are white evangelical Protestants, 21% in 2008 versus 18% today. White non-evangelical Protestants, 19 versus 13 percent, and white Catholics, 17 versus 12 percent, have all declined. 
Religious unaffiliated voters make up 38% of uh, Democratic voters. This has roughly doubled in 2008 when this group made up 18% of Democrats. Over this period, the share of Democratic voters who are Christians has declined from 74% to 52%. White non-evangelical Protestants accounted for 17 of Democratic voters in 2008, but 11% today. There, ha- there have also been a similar decline in the share of Democrats who are white evangelical Protestants, black Protestants, and white Catholics. White Christians continue to make up a large majority of, re- of Republican voters. White evangelical Protestants are about a third, 32% of Republican voters, unchanged from 2008. However, the share who are white Non-evangelical Protestants, 22% 2008 versus 16% today, and white Catholics, 18% versus 15% have, have decreased. While religious unaffiliated voters do not make up as a large share of Republicans as Democrats, they do make up a growing share of GOP voters. Today, 15% of Republican voters do not identify with a religion from 9% to 2008. First of all, you got to remember, if people are not going to share their information, like who they're going to vote, then is it possible that people are not going to share their information about religion they belong to? Because I, I'm often, I often wonder, you know, maybe people may not go to church, but remember, there's still a lot of people who I think still would identify as Catholic. They may just not go to church, maybe because of the of of the problems. But I don't really remember. I don't really pay too too much attention to to polls. I will look at them, uh, but I really do believe that there's that you might see a big difference, a big change. I honestly do believe it, and I don't think I don't think first of all, uh, the Democrats have always been uncomfortable with religion. They've always been uncomfortable with religion. They don't want religious people put constraints. And most of the time, I think if you're a pro-lifer, I think you're gonna you're gonna find yourself becoming more and more conservative. And I think if you're religious, you will find yourself becoming more and more conservative. Uh, Democrats, uh, they're just that's just it. And I think Joe Biden, I agree with Michael Knowles. He's just uh, an empty suit. He's an empty suit. All right, let's go to other article here. This is a um, church militant um, article here. Francis and Joe Biden, the Catholic Odd Couple. I like that title. By Martin Paraless, uh, church militant, November 12th, 2020. Politics over morality. Detroit. Pope Francis and Joseph Biden are the the world's most prominent Catholics. Both have challenged Catholics' understanding of the teachings of of their church, no matter such as abortion and homosexuality. While the Pope will probably not congratulate Biden until Inauguration Day, I don't think so. I think that was premature. He's already done it. The bishops of the United States have eschewed diplomacy by calling him president-elect, merely because legacy media says so. This raises the question, why are U.S. bishops and ultimately the Pope so pleased by a Biden presidency? After all, uh, 
the bishops were joined by Planned Parenthood in congratulating Biden and equally pro-abortion running mate, Senator Kamala Harris. Planned Parenthood tweeted, the work is just getting started today. We celebrate. Tomorrow we get to work. Francis versus Catholics. Obsessions. Clues to the bishop's position can be found not only in their criticism of President Donald Trump's policies, but also in papal statements. For example, just months after his election to the papacy in 2013, Francis said that Catholics should not be obsessed by issues such as abortion, contraception, and homosexuality. In his lengthy Mandarin encyclical on universal uh, universal brotherhood, Fortali Tutti, Fruity Tutti, Francis cites his controversial hum, human fraternity covenant with Islam and five times names co-signature Grand Imam Ahmed El-Tayyib while decrying war and capital punishment, immigration controls, poverty and pandemic, hunger. He does not mention abortion as an act of violence. In the encyclical Laudato Si, Francis embraces the theory of global climate change while criticizing unfettered profit-making as a cause of environmental degradation. In 2015, he said he will serve to preserve our common home. This was a theme repeated during the 2019 Amazon Synod. Joining the Pope, U.S. bishops have strongly criticized Trump's immigration policy and for pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord. They have shown little praise for his pro-life policies and diplomatic achievements. Embracing Catholic Joe Biden, despite controversy over the election day results, the bishops of the United States appeared pleased with, with Biden's ascendancy. Now we go into the head of the USCCB, Archbishop Jose H. Gomez. Los Angeles Archbishop Jose H. Gomez wrote, we acknowledge that he joins the late President John F. Kennedy as the second United States president to profess the Catholic faith. All right. This is the guy who uh, presided over a gay marriage in the White House. This is a man who supports abortion. And who cares? As president of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, Gomez repeated a theme of ending national divisions, which is often used by Biden and fellow Democrats, saying, we thank God for the blessings of liberty. The American people have spoken in this election now is the time for our leaders to come together in a spirit of national unity and, and to commit themselves to a dialogue to dialogue and comprom uh, compromise for the common good. Compromise for the common good. Compromise the Catholic faith. Compromise uh, throw abortion in, baby killing. Um, really, I mean... One of the things, this is this is something that I have to say, I honestly, I am disgusted by leaders. Leaders who compromise. What G.K. Chesterton says, one who compromises, one without a backbone. Well, really, they disgust me. In the statement 
no observation whatsoever is made of Biden's fervent advocacy of abortion or to his rever reversing his position on the Hyde Amendment, which bans the use of federal dollars for abortion in most cases. Biden has also promised to reverse Trump's executive order to secure the safety of unborn human life. Remember in that article, um, <clears throat> in the last article, I think we talked about uh, with that um, young woman who's, uh, who wrote that article about Biden's Catholic faith, they made mention to the Hyde Amendment. So you see, this is accurate. Biden's fractured faith, frequently mentioning his Catholic identity, Biden wrote in his book, Promise, Promises to Keep, I, as, I am as much a cultural Catholic as I am a theological Catholic. Oh boy. My idea of self, of family, of community, of the wider world comes straight from my religion. It's not so much the Bible, Biden wrote, the Beatitudes, the Ten Commandments, the sacraments, or the prayers I learned. It's the culture. According to reports, he carries a rosary in his pocket. Remember, they made mention of that in the last article. In a campaign video that was released during Holy Week this year, Biden quoted existential philosopher Soron Kierkegaard, uh, Kierkegaard, who said that faith sees best in the dark and added that his faith saw him through the death of his wife and his son. He has claimed that the church taught him that faith without works is dead. Hmm. Francis, Francis's Fortelli Tutti, or as we um, Orthodox Catholics like to refer to as Fruity Tutti, mentions war, but not the violence of abortion. Under the heading War and Death Penalty, the Pope writes, we can no longer think of war as a solution because it risks, its risk will probably always be greater than its supposed benefits in view of this. It's very difficult nowadays to invoke the rational criteria elaborated in earlier centuries to speak of the possibility of a just war. Never again war. <clears throat> Regarding migration, he wrote, then too in some, in some host countries, migration causes fear and alarm, often fermented and exploited for political purposes. This can lead to a xenophobic mentality as, peop as people close in on them as people close in on themselves and it needs to be addressed decisively migrants are not seen as enti uh, entitled like others to participate in the life of society and it's forgotten that they possess the same intrinsic dignity as any person hence they ought to be agents in their own redemption liking his concern over war and environmentalism francis Le linked it to capitalism development and development must not aim at the uh, amassing of wealth by few but must ensure human rights personal and social economic and political po political including the rights of nations and peoples the right of some to free enterprise or make freedom cannot supersede the rights of peoples and dignity of the poor or for that matter respect for the natural environment for if we make something our own, it's only to administer it for the good of all. Double standard. When they 
saluted Biden, they did not mention his record on war. In the 1990s, then senior Senator Biden co-sponsored a resolution authorizing the airstrikes against civilians in Yugoslavia. Even though President Bill Clinton and NATO violated international law by targeting civilians with bombing not authorized by the UN Security Council, Biden also not uh, not never objects to President Clinton's bombing of Libya, which included destruction of Chinese embassy. In 2002, Biden joined 76 other senators to authorize President George W. Bush to pr- uh, prosecute a war against Iraq. But later, as vice president, Biden forcefully backed President Barack Obama's inter- intervention in Libya. While Biden was vice president, the Obama administration prosecuted war in, uh, prosecuted war in Afghanistan and Syria. He bends whichever way the wind blows. However, the American bishops expressed little congratulations to President Trump for while not engaging the, the American bishops expressed little congratulations to President Trump while not engaging in new wars. Huh. War makes money. Peace doesn't. Being the first president to attend March of Life. They never, they never, they never said anything for that. Naming three justices of the Supreme Court who may not rule on future abortion cases, who may, I'm saying, who may rule on future abortion cases. Advancing multinational agreement that abortion is not a human right. They never said anything for that. Calling on Congress to pass ban on late-term abortions. Signing an executive order so that the little sisters of the poor will not be forced to comply with Obamacare. <clears throat> Again, they, they say they were silent on that. On top of that, Trump negotiated a peace accord between Israel and Muslim nations, as well as an agreement between North and South Korea. Are these not in accord with much of Catholic teaching about the value of human life? So why so much hoopla from bishops about Biden? And where do Pope Francis and Biden agree? Biden has announced that on his first day in office, he will return to the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. In reality, a transfer of income to China and legalize thousands of illegal immigrants. Uh, answer, these co- coincidentally are the political obsessions of the Holy Father and many bishops. Which raises other questions. Why is the Pope, why, why is that Pope Francis calls abortion, which claim more, I'm sorry, which raises the question, why is it that Pope Francis calls abortion, which has claimed more than 36 million lives worldwide this year alone an obsession? What one, what, what one can conclude from the above is that secular thinking has infiltrated the institutional church where Manichaean intellectual elites hold sway over presumably credulous pew sitters, which is totally at odds with the magisterium of ages. Well, here's the thing. It's a substitute. Abortion is selfish. Abortion is selfish. It's it's selfish. It's basically choosing your selfish needs above that of the unborn. 
It's selfishness. It's greedy selfishness. It's self-love, self-desire. It does. It goes against theological virtues. So therefore, it's a vanity. Abortion is about one's vanity. Um, while therefore you have a, uh, you know, you have something on on one end, where someone like Pope Francis and many churchmen want to be liked. They want to be accepted. What happened was is that the church has found itself because it 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 has chosen a a bad spiritual path. Many of our leaders they chose a bad spiritual path. They have found themselves compromised. Much of it has a lot to do with selfishness. You know, I think homosexuality is, you know, attacks theological virtues of self. It makes one selfish. Abortion is selfishness. And what happens is you have um, a selfish lifestyle, selfish sexuality, uh, not self-giving. Um, it's not Christ-centered. So therefore, you will choose anything that is not Christ-centered. Everything is selfish. It's all selfishness. On the part, let's say, when it comes to, I think they, they're trying to substitute, let's say, war. They're trying to substitute, um, you know, let's say, uh, not, you know, not speaking about abortion, you'll condemn war. Not speaking about abortion, or against homosexuality, you will attack war and then you will choose something like, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like the death penalty. It's easier. It's easier. It's like saying to God, well, we, you know, maybe we didn't, you know, we don't talk about abortion and we should, Lord. But we at least we said we, we condemned the death penalty and we condemned unjust wars, you know, and, and we defended the, the immigrant, the, the immigrant. It's easier. It's easier. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's you, at least you, it gives you the illusion that you're Catholic. You know, it gives you the illusion that you're still a Roman Catholic. It's just selfishness. You know, you, you're choosing stuff, you know, I mean, already the immigrant is born, you know, uh, you're talking about life, you know, so in a sense, it's something like pro-life. It gives the illusion of pro-life, right? Against war and against the death penalty, it gives you the illusion. I mean, at least you're, too, you're choosing two subjects, right? You're, you're condemning unjust wars and therefore you're condemning the death penalty. So it gives you something like you, you're on the side of heaven, <clears throat> right? And then, you know, even though you don't talk about abortion, you don't talk about homosexuality, but at least you're defending someone who's pers persecuted. You're defending someone who's marginalized. And gay people are marginalized, Lord, aren't they? So we're, you know, we, we know, you know, and they believe in love, Lord. Their, their sexuality may not be morally accepted, but at least they believe in love and they're self-giving. You know, you're you're gonna you're gonna try to reason with God like that. You know, this is the way they think. This is the way they think. So they're going to play with that illusion. You know, they're going to do that. And that's, and that's, and that's how, you know, it's convincing themselves, but it's not convincing God. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. 
So I think that's what it is. That's the answer. They choose the easier path. It's easier to talk about uh, the death penalty. I mean, it's something like the illusion, like you're defending life, even though the, the person m- possibly who's on the uh, the the path to being uh, executed public uh, by a capital punishment is possibly and hopefully is really guilty of the crimes that they committed. And it's easier to talk about it in a sense at the same time, if you know that the person is guilty, but you say, but still it's wrong to take their life because we have no right. Even though in the Bible, capital punishment is endorsed, but guess what? Now you're going to try to defend life. So at least this will please God. And maybe God will overlook the fact that I didn't, that I chose not to talk about the unborn. And then you, you'll make an excuse about same-sex marriage. It's about justice and we should defend the marginalized. We should defend the marginalized and the immigrant, even though technically it's an, it's immoral and immigration is about following the law. But then again, you will flip it, invert it and say, it's about people who are, uh, you know, uh, the illegal immigrants about people trying to find justice. You will invert it. You have basically tried to make yourself holier than God. That's basically it. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. It's an illusion about, about, you know, you know, basically you have deluded yourself. And I'm sorry to say this, but I think this is what has happened with these men in the post Vatican II church. They have deluded themselves uh, there was an article I was trying to do for um, basically about the whole concept about masks and about how the, the left is very materialistic and ha- wants to keep a lifestyle of pleasure. And basically, I was reading uh, Book Wisdom of Solomon, Chapter 2. The last verse of Chapter 1 really fits into Chapter 2, but whoever broke up those chapters was probably doing it uh standing on their head. But the fact is it talked about the pleasures of this world, the beauty of this world, the flowers, putting flowers and rosebuds in our head and everything. And there's nothing beyond this world and that our spirit will dissolve like the early morning mist and that, you know, we will, you know, no one will remember us. It's all a delusional world. They basically are going to find themselves disappointed God is going to confound them. We are not holy, and I'm not trying to be holier than them. I want a a church that speaks the truth. I want a pope that does what he's supposed to do. And I I I want there to be holiness. I do. Just like Dr. Taylor Marshall, I want there to be holiness. And I want to be a good Orthodox Catholic. I want to, I want to believe. I want a community of Catholicism. And I feel like I've been, I've been cheated. But I, I just don't understand why. But they realize it's sin. It is sin. And I also, I'm, I'm still a sinner. I still struggle with sins. I still struggle with many things. All right. The next article here is by Jules, Jules Gomes, Church Militant, November 13th, 2020. All right. What is the title? Pope plays anti-Trump card, blesses Biden. 
Vatican Italian Bishops Media joins papal puffery of president-elect. Vatican City. Pope Francis, who snubbed Donald Trump by refusing to congratulate him after his 2016 victory, has phoned Joe Biden to offer congratulations and blessings, despite the fiercely contested election results. And here's a look, look at this. There's two pictures here of Joe Biden. He presided on two. I didn't know this. I thought it was only one. The first one, I've seen that photo. It's black and white as two gay guys, you know, I don't know why they always look the same. And then you got another one where you got an older guy and a younger guy with longer hair, like a page boy haircut. And Biden presided over that over that one. Wow. Okay, so, <clears throat> well, let's continue. The Holy See press office confirmed the pontiff's Thursday morning conversation with Biden, which it said followed the uh, the congratulations ugh, the followed the congratulations of the U.S. bishops to Biden as the second Catholic president of the country after John F. Kennedy. Biden thanked Francis for extending his blessings and congratulations and noted his appreciation for his holiness and leadership in promoting peace, reconciliation, and the common bonds of humanity around the world. Oh boy, that Freemason talk, man, it really, really gives you diabetic, uh, you know, boredom. Unbelievable. Biden thanked France. Okay, he did. Okay. Um, statement from the Biden-Harris team said, the president-elect expressed his desire to work together on the basis of shared beliefs in the dignity and equality of all humankind on issues such as caring for the marginalized, the poor, addressing the crisis of climate change, and welcoming and integrating immigrants and refugees into our communities. The Italian Episcopal Conference, the CIE news media, gushed with praise for Biden, contrasting his inclusive vision of Catholicism as offering exactly the opposite of the un, unmediated use of religious references and symbols that categorize the Trump's presidency and beyond. Both in private life and in public sphere, Biden, as opposed to Trump, muscular and provocative, has shown that he is a man of reconciliation. The column uh, for for Avenir, but I don't know what that means. We'll have to look it up. By Catholic socialist Mario Magadi asserted. What, what does that mean here? Hold on. Okay, it's all in Italian. I can't speak it. So it's, an, uh, it's a name of a newspaper or some article. Wow. Let's get back. Okay, uh, by Catholic, the column of Avagnari, by Catholic sociologist Mario Magari asserted, allergic to strong tones, the new president has a strong aptitude for uh, mediation and search for common solutions, he notes. Election results unclear. Biden has not been officially declared president-elect, let alone president, as ev evidence of industrial-scale voter fraud is being brought before the U.S. courts. What's going to happen when, if that, it, God willing, that does happen? The Pope is going to have egg on his face. Biden, forget about him. Uh, Kamala Harris will distance herself from him. 
and she'll try to she'll try to survive again or play, you know, she'll just try to survive in politics. What's going to happen with the media? And I think this is this is it. What if God is, you know, I mean, I believe God will expose the lie. But when all when the lie is exposed, what's going to happen with all these people? What's going to happen? Okay, according to Amendment 20 of the U.S. Constitution, the term of the president and vice president shall, shall end at noon on the 20th day of January. Whether he likes it or not, and whether he wins a re-election or not, Trump's current term as president will end January 20th. What happens next is yet unknown, but at least that much is certain, writes historian Donald G. Neiman. Biden's Fox Catholicism, fake Catholicism, eulogizing Biden, Avignar emphasized that the Democrat politician has never hidden that he is a Catholic. In many interviews, including recent ones, the, the new American president referred to faith as basic compass of his personal life and his political orientations. All right, let me just go through that one more time. Eulogizing Biden's Avignar, that's the, ma- that's the magazine, Italian magazine, emphasized that the Democratic politician, politician has never hidden that he is a Catholic. In many interviews, including recent ones, the new American president referred to faith as the basic compass of his personal life and his political orientations. The Italian bishops made uh, media explain how Biden's recent comments on climate change and fighting poverty were in line with Pope Francis' encyclical Laudato Si and Fratelli Tutti, or Fruity Tutti. However, the bishop's media plunge for Biden does not mention his unqualified support, I'm, I'm sorry, his un, unqualified support for transgenderism and homosexual marriage, regarded as intrinsic evils by the Catholic Church. It also fudges Biden's support for abortion, arguing that in, he, in handling the the delicate relationship between the religious and the political sphere, there is always that risk of sacrificing important aspects with respect to issues such as abortion to give a crucial example for reason of political expediency. The European Center for Law and Justice lists a a raft of Trump's anti-abortion policies, which led surgeon a U.S. Army officer and Washington nun, uh, Sister Deidre D.D. Burns, um, of the Little Workers of the Sacred Hearts, to describe Trump as the most pro-life president that this nation has ever had. In contrast, the Biden uh, Biden Harris has been called the most pro-abortion ticket in history. The 2020 Democratic Manifesto promises to restore federal funding for Planned Parenthood, oppose the, f- the fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to women's reproductive health and rights, and repel the Hyde Amendment, and protect and codify Roe v. Wade. We believe that comprehensive health services, including access to reproductive care and abortion services, are vital to the empowerment of women and girls, the manifesto insists. Vatican News has also touted Joe Biden as the victor who will work for unity and healing. 
failing to mention his anti-Catholic agenda or the fear over uh, allegations of voter fraud. Wow. This is going to this is not going to be good for for the bishops at all. In 2016, instead of the traditional uh felicitation following Trump's victory, Pope Francis has tweeted, "There is need for everyone to work to change the global situation which is in a situation of s- severe lacerations and great conflict." When an atheist journalist Eugenio Scafari asked the Pope Francis what he thought the new president President, the pontiff replied a day after Trump's election, I do not pass judgment on people, politicians. I simply want to understand the suffering their approach causes the poor and excluded. That still sounds like a judgment. Snubbing the newly elected U.S. head of the state, Vatican Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Porolone, instead of offered Greetings to Trump, stating uh, via Vatican Radio, the Lord illuminates and sustains him in service of his country, nationally, but also in the service of the well-being and peace of the world. In the run-up to the 2016 election, Francis denounced Trump as a not-not-Christian for his proposed wall protecting the U.S. wall protecting the U.S. from illegal immigrations from Mexico. You know, this. Pope is so unbelievably troublesome. It really is. It really is. He's really unbelievably troublesome. It's sad. I have to say this. I think they're going to find themselves extremely embarrassed. Uh, and I have to say, I'm, I'm saddened, but I, I struggle with Pope Francis every day. I struggle with Pope Francis every day. I mean, look, there are things about John Paul II that's sad, you know, when he giving, making McCarrick cardinal and and how McCarrick grows up. I mean, there's a lot of things Taylor Marshall says that's true and it's questionable. It's questionable. You know, I think maybe the Vatican should call off making any more saints for a while there till it maybe it shouldn't, it shouldn't happen so fast. But I agree. I agree. There's some, there are a lot of things Taylor Marshall says is true. And I'm going to stand by him by that. And there's a lot of things I have to say that I think I disagree with because I do think that, that you know, these things can be fixed. The Vatican II documents and, and the people who are very questionable, their moral, moral behavior and everything is questionable. I mean, there's problems in the church, but really it's just troublesome. This Pope, the way he thinks is troublesome. And God has permitted us to have this man. We got to deal with it. All right, let's check out the next one. All right, I was going to read the article, but I want you to hear it for yourself. This is Father Frank Pavone. Ready? Well, hi, friends. Happy Saturday. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. I wanted to come to you uh, here for just a few minutes to let you know that contrary to uh, media manipulation, Joe Biden has not won the election for president of the United States. Right now, nobody has won that election. You know, the ignorance of the Democrats 
the crass ignorance of the media who support them, the ignorance and malice of the Biden supporters is once again on full display as they try to fool the American public by making them think that the election has been decided. You know, we actually, and this is not a matter of opinion, we actually have a process in the United States of America defined by the Constitution and by state law as to how a president gets uh, elected. <clears throat> If you're hearing media reports that Biden has won the election, you'll hear the word projected and projected to win. You know what that is? It's an opinion. It's not the winning of the election. Let's explain how this works. When the winner of the presidential election is officially declared, by the way, the media, neither in state law, federal law, nor in the Constitution, the media has absolutely no role in declaring the winner of a presidential election. You won't find it there. You won't find it in the, uh, in, the state new, in the state laws. You won't find it in the federal laws. You won't find it in the Constitution. The media has zero role in declaring the winner of a presidential election. You know when the winner is officially declared? At 1 p.m. in a joint session of the United States Congress, the House and the Senate, on Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. That is when the joint session of Congress receives the certificates of vote which are their certificates from each state where on December the 14th, the electors of the Electoral College each meet in separate sessions to cast their votes for president. Again, a simple knowledge of the Constitution tells you how this works. So it's only when the electors vote on December 14th, send in the certificates of vote, and then a joint session of Congress is held on January 6th, the votes are read, and a winner is declared. There is a lot to happen between now and then. The electors haven't even voted yet. It's not the people that vote for president. It's the electors. When you go to the voting booth to elect uh, your choice for president, you're choosing your electors from your state. Now, let's back it up even more. The states each have different deadlines. Some of them it's a week after election day. Others it's later in the month. Still others, 14 states, their certification dates are in December. These are for the certification of ascertainment, namely the official declaration of that state as to who won the presidential vote. Now some states the margin is so lopsided in one or another direction that they can declare it and certify it pretty quickly. There's no doubt. But there's a lot of states where the margin is very slim. And in particular, there are several disputed states right now where the margin is very, very thin. And where voting counts are still being tallied. And this is the point. When you hear news in the media about Biden and, oh, you know, he's, he's the winner of the presidential election, what pay attention to the words that they're using. If they're saying he's the projected winner, you know what that is? That's an educated guess. It's an opinion. And the alternate opinion might be just as true. The word you have to be looking for is certified. Did the state certify the election? And if the state didn't certify the election, then friends, it's not decided. So, for example, in the states of Pennsylvania and Georgia, Georgia's going to have a recount altogether. Pennsylvania, they're still counting ballots. Arizona. Now, if, you're, if the razor-thin margin exists in various states, in other words, the race is very, very close. All right, so imagine yourself in a room. You've got two gigantic buckets of ballots, and they're being counted. And uh, at a certain point in the count, 
one candidate is going to be ahead, but then you come back a few hours later when more ballots have been counted, and then the other candidate is ahead. That's a snapshot in time. And so what you have to do is you have to look at the rest of the ballots that remain to be counted. And again, there are hundreds of thousands of ballots that still remain to be counted and are being counted in states where the margin is razor thin. So the state cannot possibly certify the results yet. Now, what a person could do is they could look at where the remaining ballots are coming from and when and how they were cast. You could say, well, being that most of these remaining ballots were cast on Election Day, Election Day voters tend to favor President Trump because President Trump supporters like to come in person. Then you might project that most of those ballots will go for him. Biden campaign has a different opinion about based on where some of these remaining ballots come from. We know where they came from. We know how they were cast. We know if they were early mail-in ballots or late mail-in ballots or election day ballots or provisional ballots. We know what they are. They just still have to be counted. And campaigns can have different opinions about which direction they think, emphasis on the word think, the ballots are going to turn out. But they don't know until they're actually counted. So the states can't possibly certify this. Moreover, either at the request of the campaign or according to state law, if the margin of difference is within a certain slim margin, states will automatically trigger a recount or a campaign can request a recount. Georgia is definitely going to have a recount. Pennsylvania may well have a recount. So the point of the fact is, friends, all you're hearing from the media right now is wishful thinking. It's their opinion. It's the opinion of the Biden campaign. You listen to the mainstream media, might as well be listening to Biden himself. Of course they want to think that they won. Should every vote be counted or not? See, this is the, this is the irony. These people come around and they're always saying, oh, well, you know, every vote needs to be counted. Every vote needs to be counted. Well, then keep your mouth shut until every vote is counted. We don't know the winner of the presidential election yet. We have a process in this country. The ballots get counted. If ballots are challenged, as many of these ballots are, because they, besides being slim margins in some of these states, there's also evidence, evidence of impropriety, and it's being investigated. And also the courts are getting involved, and there are legal challenges. Can't we as Americans, and can't the American media, just hold off and let the process run its course, instead of trying to manipulate the results? For goodness sake. Give the process a chance to work out. This is a contested election. The states have not certified. So once again, in a nutshell, if you're listening to media reports, you listened for these words. The state of such and such has certified the winner. Even then, it's not the final word because, again, that chooses the electors who then, by December 8th, the states have to have their certifications in, uh, sent into the federal government. And then on, on uh, December 14th, the electors will meet each in their own state to cast their vote for president. And then again, on January 6th at one in the afternoon, the House and the Senate will get together in the U.S. Congress and they will hear the votes of the electors. And then, and only then, will the winner of the ele uh, presidential election be official. So I just wanted to give you that information, my friends. And please pass it along to your friends. So share this video. Tell them the, the facts of what's going on. Again, ballots are still being counted. And many ballots are being challenged. Let the process run 
its course. Thank you, friends. We'll be uh, leading some prayer tonight at 9 p.m. Uh, for the uh, fair and just completion of this election process. So join us here tonight live at 9 p.m. Spread the word and God bless America. God bless our president and let's hasten to victory. God bless you all. Thanks for watching. I thought that was better than me reading it. I thought that was way better. So I'm going to end it there. Okay, God bless.